This is what you're fighting for. I mean, every day you're out there. What they're doing is blowing people off. If you continue to look the other way and shut up, then the oppressors, the authoritarians get total control and total power. Because this is just like in Arizona. This is just like in Georgia. It's another element that backs them into a quarter and shows their lies and misrepresentations. This is why this audience is going to have to get engaged. As we've told you, this is the fight. All this nonsense, all this spin, they can't handle the truth. War Room Battleground. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. You have a unique perch in your chair on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, President Biden recently asked for more funding for Ukraine, sending more uh, arms and weapons and dollars uh, to Ukraine. Give us an update in terms of where you think we are and what should we be doing to be most helpful in that space? Well, I begin by saying that instead of thinking about, well, if Biden requests it, it must be wrong. Uh, there's my team and his team. Yeah. And instead saying, what's in the best interest of the national security for the United States of America? And our biggest global threat over the coming century certainly comes from China. China has one major ally. Well, more than one when you consider North Korea, but one major ally, and that's Russia. Yeah. And so weakening Russia is very much in our interest if we're concerned about China. Mm. And of course, Russia itself has 1,500 nuclear warheads aimed at the United States of America. Mm. So seeing Russia struggle in Ukraine, having its military decimated without any American loss of life, mm. is really quite extraordinary. So for the last two years, we have been spending about 5% of our military budget by sending weapons uh, to, uh, to Ukraine to help them in their battle against Russia. It is very much in our interest. Yeah. Uh, we spend about 750 to 800 billion a year on our national defense. Mm. That's to protect us from people like Russia. To take 50 of that each year and use that to strengthen Ukraine is the smartest thing we could do and probably the, the, the most cost-effective and certainly life-effective way uh, we could weaken someone who has the potential to become an enemy. Okay, welcome. It's Friday, um, September 8th, 8th September, year of alert 2023. Welcome back. Uh, thank Natalie for the first hour. I've got the second. I'll also be here uh, tomorrow morning. One of the things we're doing tomorrow morning, we're going to have Caroline Wren is going to give us a, a kind of a walkthrough of the um, of all the Senate races that are important. I think we're going to go through about 10 of them tomorrow. And the reason is, is that already as we're sitting here, the Senate is actually back in. The House does not come back until Tuesday. And we've talked a lot about this conference that um, uh, McCarthy's going to have on Tuesday, where he's going to get the whole conference in there and try to convince them to give a uh, continued resolution and then basically get ready for an omnibus bill, the exact same disaster that we've been going through for years and years and years. And now the $2 trillion uh, deficit, all the lies and misrepresentations are gone. You see exactly it's going to be $2 trillion this year. It's going to be $2 trillion in perpetuity until some adults step, start standing up uh, and taking accountability and responsibility for this mess. The Republican Senate's not going to do it or hasn't done it to date. In fact, they have exacerbated the problem. Nineteen of them have on occasions voted for Biden's the most radical parts of his program, not just the seven trillion dollars a year. Remember, it's seven trillion a year. We're bringing in five. So it's two trillion dollars a year in deficits. We gave you the math eight months ago when they lied about it. It's also an additional $5 trillion of additional spending on every boondoggle uh, crony capitalism project from Green New Deal 
to increase uh, defense spending. And uh, Mitt Romney is one of the worst. And so we've invited uh, Trent Staggs as kind of a preamble to our going through all these Senate races tomorrow to join us. He's in Utah. He's announcing he's running in the Republican primary against Mitt Romney. You just saw right there, Mitt's one of the biggest cheerleaders for this continued involvement in, in Ukraine, constant involvement in Ukraine. And he's one of the biggest cheerleaders back this week of Mitch McConnell and, and basically doing appropriations bills that locks in the $7 trillion of the spending under, uh, under Joe Biden. That's gonna already, we already know this year, fiscal year ends 30 September. We got $2 trillion uh, deficit. This year, we have another $2 trillion plus next year with increased interest rates. Trent Staggs. Your assessment of Mitt Romney, the job he's been doing. Well, <clears throat> clearly, I think it's uh, it's been a disastrous policy uh, policies that he's pursued, and why I'm entering the race, uh, why our campaign has received so much support and so much traction. You saw there. Oh, it's not my camp and Biden's camp. Uh, well, yeah, of course you you actually agree with Biden, Mitt, sixty percent of the time. You're voting along those lines, and you have supported this spending, this reckless spending. And as you said, Stephen, we have to have adults that will actually be in Washington representing us. I'm a mayor. I've represented my community for 10 years. I've had to balance my budget. Our households do it. Um, the federal government just thinks that they are exempt from that. And they can continue these multi-trillion dollar deficits uh, indefinitely. And it's just a joke. Um, and, and I saw also that you know, Senator Romney is there already signaling defeat. Oh, well, we can't have a government shutdown. We need to come to some uh, some agreement. And yeah, unfortunately, it looks like another continuing resolution that will be in the works here. Let me ask you, well, get to the constituents, the great state of Utah, all the patriots out there, one of the most um, MAGA states uh, around uh, patriots, very conservative. Romney is... It's not simply they saying you can't do a government shutdown. It'll be bad, which is against all historical evidence. When it was shut down in 13, we had big wins in 14. What people want to see done is right. But I, I don't understand. He doesn't really have a solution to this. What is your understanding? What's the best understanding you have, Trent? You're running against him. You guys have deconstructed all his positions. What is What right now is Mitt Romney's plan to stop increasing the national debt, which to me ought to be the absolute first and foremost. What is his, What plan has he put forward to, to, to close the gap deficit? Because everything I see is that he's actually one of Mitch McConnell's biggest cheerleaders. He is, yeah. He's one of his foot soldiers, and he's going to do his bidding. And that's why we need somebody who is a true outsider, a true conservative that can step up and push back against the establishment. That's typified my career. That's what I would do. You know, to answer the question, he doesn't have a plan. He came out and moved to Utah uh, some year, you know, five, six years ago, ran for this office. He told folks, look, I will put us on a path to a balanced budget. He claimed he would end illegal immigration. He'd stop federal spending and overreach, and he'd appoint conservative justices to the court. His record is the complete opposite of that. And with respect to spending, there is no plan. It's just blank check after blank check. Um, very interestingly enough, we've called him out, too. He rarely shows up to Utah. And uh, when we put that out there just recently, it, 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 I think, forced him to kind of come back because for the first time in I don't know how many years, I actually saw him show up here during the August recess. And he was touting, what was he touting? He was touting the spending that he did, the, the trillions of dollars he's voted for. 
and the infrastructure bill and other things that have caused this 32 to 33 trillion dollar debt that is crushing crushing utah families with inflation and just the cost of everyday items and purchases has gotten so out of control um you know it's really disappointing to see here is somebody in mitt romney that purports that putting us on a path to a balanced budget and spending controls are such a great priority or at least he claimed they were five years ago for him now to not even support i mean when we had back in May, these debt ceiling negotiations and Senator Lee, our great Senator Lee, put together a letter saying, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling, Biden, unless you come to the table, negotiate, and we go through some substantive spending cuts and budget reforms. He had 42 other Republicans that signed on that, including Mitch McConnell, and Mitt Romney would not put his name to that letter. And I would have proudly done that. I would have held the line and actually got some real reform and some negotiations in place that are going to put us on a different path. Because right now, what we have is unsustainable. And what we get from Mitt is just more of the same talk and more of the same spending. Trent, when I think of uh, Utah and having spent time out there in the, in, in the, uh, in the kind of unforgiving environment that the first settlers to, to uh, Utah uh, showed up, the, the Mormon families and, and what they made from that state, one thing about Utah is that they're very practical, very pragmatic. What do they think when, when Romney's back there, what do the citizens of Utah think about when he presents his plan? He talks about the spending. He talks about the, uh, these bills that he supported of, uh, of Biden's these spending bills. What, what, what is the reaction of a practical, pragmatic people? Yeah, they, they just, the reaction is this person is not representing us. And that's that's what I've said. I'm, I'm running for U.S. Senate because Massachusetts doesn't need a third senator. We need somebody who's from Utah. You know, my, my whole life from elementary school to graduate school, I've attended Utah schools. I've raised my family here. I've started businesses. I've run companies. I helped take a company public in the energy space. I understand this great state. I understand it. Um, and and I understand what Utahns want. And Utahns, as you said, are very pragmatic. They're practical. Uh, they're hardworking, very industrious, and they do not like debt. Um, again, balancing my budget every year, the last 10 years and running my community, our state does the same. They expect the same of their federal government. And it hasn't been, uh, it has just not been something they've, they've delivered. Uh, the, the spending is out of control. The regulation, the regulatory framework is completely out of control. We need the RAINS Act immediately. Um, we, we just, We've got to stop the progressivism as well that's infiltrated and been endorsed wholeheartedly by this administration uh, all the way across from the military to uh, to education. They just they want to have local control and they want sensible, very sensible government. And they're not getting it from Senator Romney and the rest of the crew right now on the Democratic side for sure. But unfortunately, a few within the Republican Party. Uh, Trent, before I let you go, there, there was an incident out uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, in, in Utah, and uh, the FBI had a raid on an uh, individual's house. We know that that person was 300 pounds, had a tough time getting around. He had said some things on social media uh, that were, uh, quite frankly, you know, unacceptable. Uh, but they, they, they were kind of this heated, uh, you know, these heated kind of blow-off comments that one does once on social media. He was gunned down by the FBI, and they refused to release the body cams or any other information. 
do you do you are you familiar with any additional information coming out from that or how does that set with you that this can happen to an individual regardless of what he said on social media and and we've really had a lockdown and and got no information the reason is important another situation happened with an army vet in tennessee and it's kind of the same stonewalling within a couple weeks of each other the fbi has gone in and essentially gunned down uh one a a a, a take it a virtually disabled guy that weighed 300 pounds and supposedly a nice guy the neighbors all liked him said he was a little out there right but a, but a harmless guy uh and the same thing appears to have happened in tennessee uh, any thoughts on that well this is why i think people don't trust the government and why so many of these agencies you've seen have been weaponized and pursuing uh, citizens they're they're really uh, going after them with with almost reckless abandon at times, and yeah, we don't want to uh, we don't want to condone any any violence or violent rhetoric. But at the same time, I think they need to do a pretty fair analysis of whether uh, you know of the threat and uh, to come in guns a blazing and with all of that use of force. I mean, look, I have a police department. I've got a great chief of police. We have body cams. Um, we have policies and procedures that uh, that uh, really want to put out there as best we can, be as transparent as we can, I should say, so that we can always have the full faith and confidence of our of our citizens. And uh, for them to hold that back and not release that footage, uh, as they've done time and again across the country with certain of these episodes, is is problematic. And I think it's just emblematic of why. Uh, many citizens don't trust their government, and we have to be able to restore that again. Trent, this gets, uh, I want to take this back to the budget because, you know, this fight over spending, one is just the absolute scale of it, and it's not sustainable. And, and, and people talk about entitlements, Social Security, Medicare. Before you get to the entitlements, before you get to the entitlements, you have to take care of just the overall scale of the spending and what that's doing as far as driving the deficit. The other aspect of it is not only are we spending ourselves into bankruptcy, we're actually financing a woke and weaponized government. Now, the House has taken some real, has really taken that to task, and that's why there's going to be this, you know, this uh, catechismic clash over the next couple of weeks of, of, of um, hardcore uh, Freedom Caucus and others in the House of Representatives saying the scale of it's not acceptable. But also what we are funding in that's not acceptable and that woke and weaponized has got to come out. Romney and the guys in the Senate, men and women in the Senate have essentially signed off on most of this. So as a United States senator, just walk me through your logic of how you would look at the budget and the appropriations as a method to uh, de-weaponize this government, to get the woke out. What, what, what's, your, what's your line of attack on that? Well, we can't continue to have continuing resolutions. I mean, we actually have to have an appropriations process. We've got to go through with the 12 separate bills at a time. You know, having talked with Senator Lee on this issue, I think that they've laid out a really good framework. We have to have that process. It has to be transparent. It has to have the opportunity for amendments. And uh, through that, uh, through that ability that Congress has, it should be uniquely theirs, the power of the purse. Uh, those, those types of programs can uh, and should uh, be done away with. And there's no room for that, I think, in the federal government. I've indicated that on my website at trentstags.com. It's one of my main issues. I'm, I'm hearing families here that are concerned about that. And I, I say that, look, as your senator, I will definitely be 
woke's worst nightmare. We need to have a complete wall of separation between woke and state and ensure uh, that it isn't this this type of insidious practice doesn't infiltrate uh, across the federal government as it as it has sadly. So I think there are plenty of opportunities to go through a, a, a true appropriations process and ensure that uh, that funding is withheld for these types of programs. I've heard many uh, many in Congress that have put forth some great ideas along these lines and would wholeheartedly support those and hopefully lead on them myself. Decision time's coming. So Mitt Romney is saying there's nothing to, there's no win here by forcing Biden to shut down his government. Do you see things in this appropriations process, in this budget, if they didn't come out as a matter of principle, you would take a stand on saying you can't have my vote. And if Biden's got to shut it down, so be it, sir. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. We need to be able to take a stand and and say if if these types of woke practices, I mean, I love what Senator Tuberville is doing right now and in, in holding the line uh, with respect to uh, the the misuse of military appropriations, you know, and in paying for abortions and other things. That's uh, that's something that you just you can't stand for. We actually have to have a budget, too, that's trending in the right direction. Like you just you just stated, uh, this can't go on indefinitely. We've got to have things that are are getting us back to a level of fiscal sanity and not just continuing the status quo. Unfortunately, I have seen that at every layer of government. It's just endemic. It's something that happens. And you have to have folks that have experience doing that, like I have, in actually getting out, uh, bringing, uh, bringing federalism back and allowing uh, localities and individuals to take over much, much of what is being done at higher layers of government, including the federal government. So uh, absolutely, there are some some must-haves. That's uh, that's something that we have to have. This budget has to be moving back in the right direction. Uh, Mayor Staggs, how do people find out more about your Senate run? Because this is going to be one of the epic battles. I think all the indications now, I was of the belief that Mitt Romney might wave off and, and run third party. I think Caroline's going to address this tomorrow. I think a lot of people are saying that it looks like he may be all in uh, for re-election. Still not be. It still hasn't been determined yet. But how do people find out more about you? Yeah, it, it hasn't, and we're seeing more and more signs that he could run. He keeps delaying this decisioning now till late fall. Um, he's been a much more active the last few weeks. Like we said, we finally forced him back out to Utah, <laughs> and he's he's uh, the 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 way this segment started. Um, taking media here locally is is unique and rare. But at TrentStags.com, people can go there, um, can donate, can help out the campaign. Uh, we've been very, very blessed. We've now received small dollar donations from people across all 50 states, from patriots and conservatives across all 50 states, uh, thousands of donors. We need that. We need that. This campaign is truly funded by you, by patriots out there. It, I am not part of the establishment. I don't have lobbyists that are contributing to my campaign or super PACs or other things that that really are controlling me. Um, Mitt has the establishment behind him. He's going to have that, as you indicated, uh, with, with doing McConnell's bidding. And so we want to be able to reclaim this. This is important, not just for the state of Utah, to put somebody that truly reflects Utah values and a true conservative into DC representing the state, but it's, it's very important for the entire country and that's why I think we've received these donations. We've got so many great folks supporting 
And we're going to need that to continue. We're only about seven months out from our state convention here in this great state of Utah. And uh, we're building up more and more every single day. This, this coalition continues to build with scores of national and local endorsements. Um, I'm excited about what's going on and, and really encouraged uh, by all the folks that are coming out and supporting us. Uh, by the way, I think your strategy is right. You smoke him out and make him spend more time in Utah. I think that his uh, his ratings will definitely drop. The more people see him, I think the less they like him. So I think it's a great strategy. Mayor Staggs, thank you for coming on the war. Appreciate it. Thank you again. Okay, one of the most important uh, cases going on in the country is not getting the attention it should is the disbarment hearing. I think out in Orange County, California, of John Eastman, who was really President Trump or the, the senior lawyer and going through trying to stop the steal, and I think one of the top constitutional lawyers in the country. Someone's been covering it intensely is Rachel Alexander. Rachel, thank you for joining us. Walk us through, first off, just for audience, I know most people know, but who John Eastman is, what's his importance in this, why he's named in every other, uh, every other case, central case to the Trump uh, Stop the Steal movement, and why are they trying to disbar him? John Eastman is arguably the foremost constitutional legal scholar in the country. That is why this is significant. They're not going after some you know, person they can label as fringe. They are going after somebody who knows the law and the Constitution better than anybody. And basically what's going on is they, the left is going after him because they want to use this as a precedent to scare other conservative attorneys from ever challenging elections where they believe there was fraud and and you know doesn't even matter if it's not technically fraud illegal wrongdoing where in the past if it wasn't involving republicans losing judges would frequently order that the trials that uh that uh elections would be overturned and redone so this is an absolute travesty of justice i'm i'm now in the what fourth week of covering this and it's just a kangaroo court everybody can tell from the very beginning the judge who was donated to Democrats while sitting on the bench. Um, it's a given. All of her calls are pretty much extremely biased against Eastman and pro the state bar, uh, allowing in all this evidence that's absolutely irrelevant to him and the way and she doesn't even understand that the Electoral Count Act was amended in 2022 to state that the vice president cannot decide uh, disputed slates of electors. The woman is just way out of her league, and Eastman is essentially just nonstop schooling her and the state bar attorney. It's it's kind of a show. Yeah, no, this is one of the ones I love about your your coverage. I want to get back and get some basics. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a lawyer. The vast majority of our audience are not lawyers. In this disbarment, is this like Rudy and other guys are going after? Is this to take his law license away to practice in the state of California so he then wouldn't be able to teach or he then wouldn't be able to actually practice at the bar of California? He would not be able to basically make a living in California. Is that what they're trying to do in Orange County? Yes. And what a lot of non-lawyers don't understand is once you're disbarred in one state, the other states reciprocity. They will not let you practice either. So once he's barred in California, he won't be able to practice anywhere else in the entire country. Now, are there going to be a few brave universities like the Liberty University types that might hire him? Yes, I believe uh, it might be the, I think the Kansas former attorney general might have been disbarred and I think he is now a professor at a, a university like that. 
But that's pretty much the only exception, you know, or, you, you know, the bar destroyed my law license suspended me for six months, but they can't stop me from opining all I want now as a, as a legal analyst type. Uh, Rachel, can you hang on for a second? Because I want to get into some of the details. You bring up the Electoral Count Act. You also bring up the fact that one of the great things about following your coverage is every day you're just you're pointing out where uh, where Eastman is literally almost like teaching a seminar. They're coming at him and attacking him and coming from every angle, and he's sitting there correcting them to to what the proper understanding of the Constitution, the proper understanding of the law. We've got Rachel Alexander here. This is probably the most underreported story that has massive impact in the country. It's the dismarment hearing of John Eastman. And John Eastman's absolutely central to everything President Trump uh, tried to do and really making sure that the 2020 election was not stolen. Eastman was the uh, constitutional scholar on top of that. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We're going to be back with Rachel Alexander on the trial of John Eastman in a moment. These are my people. This is a land where my forefathers lie. These are my people. In brotherhood, we're heirs of a creed to live by. A creed that proclaims that by loved ones' blood stains. This is my land. And these are my people. These are my people. They were born on and lived by the land. These are my people. And their cities were raised by hard-working hands. And their faces do tell that they're holding on well this their land yes these are my people these are my people these are the ones who will reach for the stars these are my people by the light of the earth you can tell they are ours a new step to take and a new day will break for this my land yes these are my people these are my people mm-hmm. i am the last person on earth to nag you about your diet I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't, and you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable and field of greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. 
Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy. You'll look better. You'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. Do it today. Action, action, action. There's a lot to be nervous about out there. Open social media or turn on the news and all you see is crime and societal decay. A lot of people just run out and buy a gun and then it sits in a safe. If there's ever an emergency, they're not going to be prepared and run the risk of hurting themselves or others. There's no way around it. You need to train and you need to train often. Unfortunately, it's time-consuming to go to the range, assuming there's even one nearby and ammo prices are through the roof. iTarget was invented so you could practice anytime in the safety and convenience of your own home. Simply download the iTarget Pro app, load your caliber-specific laser bullet into your firearm, and start training. Practice alone, compete with friends, or use it to safely train friends and family who are new to firearms. Go to itargetpro.com and get 10% off at checkout when you use offer code Bannon. This is the smartest, safest way to train, which is why competitive shooters trust dry fire training as part of their regimen. Get yours today. That's the letter itargetpro.com. That's itargetpro.com. Offer code Bannon. itargetpro.com. Action, action, action. Did you know that current cell phone towers only reach 7% of the Earth's surface? And if you're out of that range, or if a wildfire destroys everything, how will you contact your loved ones? Just look at Maui. That's why you absolutely need a satellite phone, and you need it today. With your sat phone, if you can see the sky, you can make a call. It's got 100% global coverage, ensuring You'll always be within reach. Your calls are secure and private. No one's eavesdropping. Even the U.S. military trusts these phones to communicate securely. Your text messages, they're encrypted. Only the intended recipient can read them. Everything you do with this phone is 100% private and 100% secure. Right now, my trusted partner, Satellite Phone Store, is giving you a free Iridium 9555 satellite phone a free solar panel, a free portable power station, and a free large Faraday bag, all with a 15-month plan if you go to sat123.com slash Bannon right now. That's sat, S-A-T, 123.com slash Bannon right now. Be ready for anything, earthquake, wildfires, terrorism, with your new satellite phone today, as well as your free bonuses. Visit sat123.com slash Bannon and use the code Steve50, that's Steve50 at checkout for free activation or dial 941-955-1020. That's 941-955-1020 to snag your free Iridium 9555 satellite phone today. That's sat123.com slash Bannon, code Steve50 or call 941 941- Nine five five one zero two zero. Take action. Use your agency. Do it today. 
War Room Battleground with Stephen K. Bannon. I, I want to tell the team, uh, Logan and the team in Memphis, and of course my crack team here, I just got this across. I'll get it over to you guys in a second so you can post it. But um, And this, I think, goes to the quality of the coverage that Richard Alexander's doing uh, of the case and also what's actually coming up. You know, my good buddy Cernovich, who was with us in, in, in 14, 15, and 16, really one of the key guys in the social media efforts for the Trump movement. And everybody knows Mike has gone a little bit off the reservation <laughs> over the last year or two. But, hey, he's still, a, he's still a comrade in arms. I want to quote from Cernovich who just put this up. And I quote, the John Eastman disbarment hearing has made me, that would be Cernovich, full on 2020 is stolen person. If you've been following it, you realize what a travesty it was that John Eastman wasn't point man on all the election issues, unquote. Um, Rachel, I want to address this right now because Cernovich is a great guy, but he hasn't been with us for a while. One of his big problems, I think, was these issues related to the 2020 steal. He says by watching it and then looking at your coverage that Cernovich, he Cernovich is now full on 2020 stolen guy. What's your assessment of that, of what's just been put out, the content that you've seen put out in the disbarment hearings? Do you think it also will drive um, even-handed people that are looking at this with an open mind to that conclusion? I do. I mean, if it influenced Cernovich, and he's a very brilliant guy, uh, what I think is going on there is the fact that Eastman is just the top intelligent person in the country on the right on this issue. And he is so laser sharp, you cannot catch him. The whole uh, trial has been an absolute travesty. Just watching, you know, the judge try to, you know, slip him up. And, and she's like tag teaming with the, the bar council. I mean, it's not just a couple little incidents a day. It's just nonstop if you're, you know, watching my coverage. It is like 20 outrageous, ridiculous things that would never happen in a regular court of law happening during the day. It's, I've never seen anything this bad. And, you know, I'm a longtime uh, prosecutor and Maricopa County elections attorney. Um, you know, I've seen it all. And this is just, we are in a different era. And I think, I think the tide is starting to ch change. I just know we have to be very clever about it. You know, you can't just sit there and throw out the words election fraud because the left is so smart. They'll trick us and they'll say, well, you didn't prove election fraud. Well, okay. It was breaking the law. You might've broken the law. It might not technically be called election fraud, but it is illegality. And then, so, so Eastman is really good at getting out all these nuances and, and getting ahead of their spin. I want to go to this because lawfare is the thing. One of the things that are coming after President Trump. It's it's a line of work that they hope to ensnare him. Why, one, why is that dangerous for the country? And what is this trial showing specifically that people should be concerned about, or quite frankly, afraid of the direction of the country from a breakdown of rule of law to now essentially the road to a totalitarian, authoritarian dictatorship? The frightening thing about lawfare is. You know, this country has three branches that govern us, and one is the judicial branch. And if they take over this, you know, uh, legal branch with their lawfare, that's a huge segment segment that they are going to control. And and legal stuff is involved in so many aspects of our lives now. You know, they use the courts for everything. You know, you got to dispute over the election, you go to the courts. So if they're taking all this over, this is terrifying. And the part that scares me, you know, as a recovering attorney 
is they are pretty much scaring all of our attorneys out from ever representing us on all kinds of issues, not just election fraud, but COVID and anything that they don't like. And, um, you know, I used to think I was poor me, you know, they came after me 12 years ago, whatever. No, it's everybody now. Every conservative election attorney I know in Arizona has either had a bar complaint filed against them that they're fighting or they've already been disciplined. Um, they're at risk of getting disbarred. Um, we're not going to have anybody left to represent us if this is allowed to keep going. Now, I want to drill down the second because this is what they're trying to do, and not just with our top attorneys. They're also putting the law firms on notice that they will get the clients to complain. I mean, it's going to be almost impossible to you in a, in a, in a litigious environment. And it's not just on election fraud like you talk about. It's across the board on so many different elements of what MAGA is fighting for. Talk to me about the law firms, because right now, unless you're almost a sole practitioner and they're still coming after you, if you're at a firm, they go after the firms and say, well, you can't represent these people as clients or we're going to make a, a bar complaint and have some, a couple of your attorneys disbarred, which is a mark against the firm. Give, give me your assessment of that. It's even broader than that. It comes down to free speech as well. You know, the, the only reason I'm the only one, you know, in the country on the conservative side that's closely covering this is because people with my background, right, are mostly still licensed attorneys and they can't say a word. They have to be completely quiet. And so people keep saying, well, you know, there's no evidence of election fraud and there was nothing wrong done. Nobody can speak up and push back who actually understands these things and is seeing all these cases dismissed for on technicalities and understands the doctrine of lashes and and no jurisdiction and you know all those issues like that. They've all been silenced, and so to me, that's that's the the, the broader key thing that that's happening here. We're basically shutting down uh, an entire segment of knowledgeable people, the the, the, the attorneys. Do, do, does MAGA or the conservative movement, and I know the National Review crowd is punched out of this in, in the donors, but if you look at Lawfare, you've got Mike Lindell, who they're basically trying to bankrupt because he's gone and supported and, and un, you know, he's underwritten much of this. I think his legal bills on going after election fraud is $25 million or north. You've got Eastman in California. You've got Paxton that's being impeached in Texas. Uh, you've got, obviously, the situation in Georgia with, with, with Fonnie Willis. Right. And, and those folks, you've got the electors in um, in in Michigan that I was just on a telethon for the other day. You know, the average age of these electors is like 73 years old. I think they're looking at, I don't know, 14 to 30 years in, in a federal prison, millions of dollars of legal fees. We know that Arizona, I think, is going to move on the electors. Nevada looks like it may move on the electors. Wisconsin, the governor's talking about moving on the electors. Uh, in addition, in Arizona, there's so many suits. In fact, next week for two days, we're going to be covering besides because we stream uh, your coverage. So we streamed the, the Eastman trial. Uh, we're also going to be streaming Carrie Lakes back in uh, court, I think, for two days next week. D do do you think people understand the scale of this right now? D and I'm not even including all the Trump situation. And, you know, Navarro just last week, but the lawfare part of this, they're coming after every senior person in the MAGA movement. And in addition, they're coming for every lawyer associated with the MAGA movement, and they're coming for any patriot that tries to step up and do their duty for the Constitution. Do you think uh, that do you think that people understand the scale of this warfare right now is unlike anything that's ever happened in American political life? I think they do. I don't think we're quite to the tipping point where we're going to get you know most uh, the, uh, enough people involved to make a difference yet. I think we're on our way there. 
and I just want to emphasize this, okay? This is my own personal opinion. But when people say, oh, you know, we can't still support Trump for president because he's got all this baggage with him coming after him, that's exactly the reason we need to support him. Because if we don't, you know, fight back against all the bogus lawfare, they're just going to move on to the next guy. So, you know, I don't have a big problem with DeSantis, but if we all just move on to DeSantis right now, what are they going to do? They're going to come after DeSantis and prosecute him. So that's an interesting point. I want to drill down on it for a second. You're saying, hey, even if you have problems with Trump, because the Trump supporters are always going, you know, MAGA and the in the in the war room posse and all of us will always be there. But you're saying for those a lot of those people saying about electability, he's got so much baggage, they're missing the point. And you're seeing this because you're up close coverage that if 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 we move on from Trump, it's not like they're not going to come after the next. Anybody that actually goes up against the system, anybody goes up against the radical Democrats and the kind of uniparty, they're going to come after them using the same tactics and techniques that they came after President Trump. That's right. If we don't um, stop them, they're going to make a blueprint. They're going to have all these, uh, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, procedures all laid out, such as the, the disbarment trial of John Eastman. Other state bars can then just boom, copy it. It'll be so much easier to then take down the next attorney. And same with the prosecutions. Once they're able to prosecute a few people for election fraud, like in Georgia or, you know, D.C., then they're going to be able able to prosecute any conservative who uh, challenges elections from then on. And once they've mastered the elections, I mean, it's all over. You've seen this aspect. They're coming after uh, President Trump now in the 14th Amendment. I've said from the beginning, we've had Dershowitz and others on, Mike Davis and other constitutional scholars saying there's nothing based in the Constitution about this. It's ridiculous. They're trying to use the, the post-Civil War, a 14th Amendment, and I think Section 3 or Article 3 from it. But They've now created a political firestorm. They're trying to get to the state assemblies. They're trying to get into the into the general assemblies of state to actually get one of these secretaries of state to take him off the ballot. And we know now that this a lot of this is funded by the uh, by the re- Republican uh, uh, elite. Do you believe besides going after people like Eastman and besides doing things like um, going after the 14th Amendment, is there any other things you see on the horizon that we can anticipate where they're either going to come after President Trump? or the MAGA movement? Well, the one thing that I have really noticed is that unlike uh, unlike us on the right, the left is looking for every possible way it can take Trump out illegally or not illegally. And if it is illegal, they're going to try to way to, you know, stretch it and pretend like it is legal. They've got the courts, you know, on their side. So I haven't completely brainstormed about a lot of different ideas. As a journalist, uh, my big concern is con- uh, being sued with a libel lawsuit. So um, I, I believe that that is one angle we're going to see. It's just more of the lawfare, but the, you know they're going to come up with all these crazy new uh, ways to sue us. Um, you know the, the racketeering one. You know in in Georgia. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more racketeering lawsuits because they're so broad and vague. I've written about them a lot because, you know, I was the head attorney on one against the corrupt Maricopa County supervisors here. Uh, But you can use those against uh, almost anybody. So I think people in the MAGA movement, uh, we're we're going to see lawsuits filed against us. And and, and I just want to add, we we just need to start supporting 
the conservative attorneys. I'm actually trying to start a group to support conservative attorneys and also go after the left-wing attorneys like the J65 Project does. You know, we've got attorneys like Alex Haberman representing John Eastman. You know, he's likely to be the next target himself. So you see where this is all going? And you know, I'm sure you know Carrie Lake, who has great attorneys, but they are not election attorneys. So uh, our side really just needs to start backing these, these attorneys up and not letting them hang out to dry. And so you're saying RICO charges, racketeering charges, defamation, libel. They're going to go after the others that this is. And you're right. The the, the Democrats, as epitomized by Mark Elias, they have great. Uh, they're all evil, but they're very smart as far as every aspect of election law. They're specialists in this. And these people are always on the attack. They look at they look at the law as a weapon. Right. We look we have a very um, classical or kind of American view of the law. Right. That justice is blind. They don't look at it that way. They look at the law as something that they can weaponize and then use against their opponents or their enemies. And I think that's the cultural difference that we've got to start thinking of. We have to think we have to start thinking in the terms they think in because they have certainly weaponized this against us. And that's why I think the Eastman trial is so important. What should people look forward in the next couple of weeks? Walk us through where we are in the Eastman trial, where we're going to go. What we should look for in your coverage? Well, the Eastman uh, team finally got to put on its own case beginning yesterday, which means its own witnesses, and it gets to direct examine them. And so basically today we're in the middle of testimony from Wisconsin former Supreme Court Justice uh, Matthew uh, Michael Gableman, which has just been bombshell testimony, as you know. Um, so we're going to be hearing more of that the next day or two. And then we're going to hear from some character witnesses of Eastman, and, you know, I'll be I'll be honest, this judge, you know, she's trying to keep all of Eastman's witnesses out of the trial. Yet she's let so many witnesses in for the bar that have nothing to do with Eastman. Nothing to do. They either like got involved with it way after he was involved with the 2020 election challenges or they were in some state that he wasn't even working in. So we're going to see them fight it out, see which one of those witnesses are included. And there's probably going to be another week going of the trial next week and then another few days whenever they can coordinate with people's schedules. Rachel, I want to do two things. I want to make sure people know how to get to your coverage of Eastman's trial because it is incredible. It's very important. And number two, how do we get to your other website, social media, and your other writings? Thank you. Um, my coverage is pretty much going to be all on the starnewsnetwork.com um, and it's also run on our local subsidiary Arizona Sun-Times. And uh, please follow me on X. Um, that's where I'm doing all this live coverage of the trial. My username there is Rach underscore IC. And my personal website is intellectualconservative.com. Rachel, uh, Michael Patrick Leahy and the team over at the Star News Network, fantastic a job. And thank you for doing this. Thank you for covering it. John Eastman's a good man. And uh, his, he's uh, fighting a good fight. And we need, we need Eastman back on the battlefield. So thank you for covering this. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thanks. Michael Patrick Leahy, one of the great, you know, you got Revolver, you got uh, Gateway Pundit, you got all the star newspapers uh, throughout the country. You got Creative Destruction Media. Um, you got uh, Citizen Free Press. We have so many different assets out there now and so many more I could name right now if I, I had the time. But you got so many of these emerging alternative media that give some tremendous coverage. And I think um, I think Rachel is a perfect example. Uh, tomorrow we're going to get back into it. We got an all-star cast of some of our heavies because we got to break down a lot of things that are going on 
The Senate's already back. They're working around the clock going through these appropriations. But I think they start voting on them next week. You'll be shocked. Uh, wait for it. None of the Woken Weaponized is out. I think unless I see how the details, I think it's been terrible. There's going to be a huge difference in the bid and the ask, even if the House, even if the House can, um, can get to the point of uh, actually passing these by the end of the month, which I don't think is possible. That's why this big conference is coming in uh, that he's going to have on uh, Tuesday night, uh, McCarthy. Uh, remember, we need you a fully armed to be an active part of this. Uh, this show and the audience, you're an active part of this drama. In fact, I would say you're the prote- protagonist. In other words, you drive the action. One way to do that is to make sure you're as knowledgeable as possible. Go to birchgold.com slash banner right now. The end of the dollar empire, the three installments, a fourth installment's coming out. Plus, we got a supplemental on the Durban, uh, on the road to, uh, to Durban, South Africa, this de-dollarization movement that's going on. It gets you up to speed on kind of the macro analysis of what's happening. And then you can call, you can talk to, uh, you can talk to Philip Patrick or the team at Birch Gold and start to ask the questions about gold as part of your portfolio. The best way to start that, I believe, is to ask them just about uh, the current situation with currencies throughout the world and what's happening. And what are central banks doing? Central banks are the keys uh, to this throughout the world. The Federal Reserve, guess what? Besides raising rates and printing money, are focused on a central bank digital currency. Now, what is that all about? Anything more than just absolute control. The other central banks of the world, and and both Ron Paul and uh, Zero Hedge reported this today, is that the central banks, particularly in the BRICS nations, the global south, are buying gold at record rates in 22 and 23. And remember, she, for a host of reasons, she did not go to the G20. But one of the reasons is he thinks he's got his apparatus now with the BRICS. And the BRICS, the global south, control most of the world's resources. And they are tired and fed up with the printing of money and the overspending of the United States, which is leading to a decrease in the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar. And they're tired of the inflation. So they're they're binding together. Uh, They haven't come up with a basket of currencies yet, but they're starting the process of de-dollarization, of doing transactions for resources in their own currencies and not using the dollar as an intermediary. That is a massive geopolitical change. You have to understand all that. Go to Birch Gold. It's all entirely free. But the one thing you can understand is why the central banks of the world are buying gold at record rates and why the Federal Reserve is working on a a, uh, digital currency. Okay, uh, before we go tonight, of course, later tonight, and we're going to be live streaming this up on on Getter, uh, President Trump's going to be in South Dakota with Kristi Noem. It was a very interesting uh, report. by uh by a correspondent we know quite well over at NBC. Let's go ahead and play that, uh, and then I'll comment on the other side. I had conversations uh, with several of the folks here waiting outside for Donald Trump's arrival in Christy Gnomes, and there was groups of uh, ten of them. I asked who they would support to be Donald Trump's vice presidential pick, just open ended, and seven out of ten, Yasmin told me the name. Carrie Lake, unprompted. Huh. Just one of them told me Christy Nome, and just one of them said Nikki Haley here. So Christy Nome, uh, there is actually some criticism of her among some of these Trump loyalists. Some question just how faithful she would be in the in the role of vice president. So this is a, a complicated uh, you know question that Donald Trump, if he were to win the Republican uh, nomination, would have to face. And another gentleman told me, why would he pick Christy Nome? He's going to win South Dakota. He won it by 25 points in 2020. Go and pick somebody else, but. The question is, who is 
represent somebody else. You know, Carrie Lake has talked about running for the U.S. Senate in Arizona. Uh, Chrissy Noem is, uh, is a key figure in this because of her prominence and because of her loyalty to Donald Trump to this point, though, yes. Okay, that's Vaughn Hilliard, one of the best reporters out there. Of course, he's nobody at Carrie Lake's. He was he's covering her very closely. He's now in the presidential campaign tonight. I think it's nine thirty Eastern Daylight Time. We'll be, I think maybe at nine o'clock. You got Zirkel, you got Grace Chung, you have Mo Bennett. I think I'll be coming in and out. Uh, the president will be out there uh, with Chrissy Noem. But that's kind of blockbuster news. Remember, that's a crowd of pure MAGA of President Trump. I think it's going to be seven thousand plus at this uh, gathering tonight. That's all they can fit in. It's obviously oversold. But seven of ten, seventy percent support Carrie Lake for vice president in the great state of South Dakota. So important breaking news. Okay, tomorrow we're going to cover tonight. Get up on Getter. Make sure you follow us. I think we'll be streaming over at Rumble too. Make sure you go there. Then tomorrow morning, we're going to be back on fire. We've got a heavy day tomorrow. I want everybody in here. Uh, throughout the weekend, I'll be coming up on Getter. I really want to thank the Memphis team uh, for doing all this. Great show tonight. Rachel Alexander. Uh, thank you very much uh, for joining us. Really, really, really appreciate it. Okay. Uh, and Michael Patrick Lay, doing a great job out there. Uh, okay. We'll see you back here tonight, later. Up, Make sure you're up live when we're covering President Trump. And then tomorrow, we'll be back here at 10 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Check us back out in the war room. For war room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in extreme short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now it's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies just visit jacemedical.com that's jace j-a-s-e jacemedical.com take a few minutes and fill out the form your information will be reviewed by a board certified physician and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost you'll be glad you have the jace case Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com.
WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WarRoomHealth, all one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.